This is the third sanctuary series on developing the home. If you did not have the opportunity to hear Sister Shock with her lesson one on family, it is worth your time to go back with a notepad in hand and listen to her lesson on uh, developing the home, the order of the family. It was fabulous. Brother Scott last week spoke about the success in our home. Uh, I loved it. It's worth it to go back and listen again if you need to. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to go all even further back to the previous sanctuary series on breaking. Uh, there were four lessons in that sanctuary series, and that's worth it. We're building something here at New Life. It's definitely more than just a sanctuary. We're building homes. We're building our personal lives, and I believe God is in the midst I believe he's honoring that. So if you want to make sure you go back and listen to that, I think it'll be worth it for you. So tonight we're going to talk about developing the home, building disciplines in the home. Um, As you drove on the campus, I'm sure it was very apparent uh, that we are in the physical stages of the building season at New Life. The ground has already been broken. I'm going to zoom in on my papers here. There we go. The brown is the ground has already been broken. Um, the plans have already been established. We have uh, we have contractors on site carrying out the plan that was established months ago. We currently have regular contractors meetings, making sure that the construction stays in line with the pattern or the plan that was established. The design has been established. You have seen the pictures, right? How many of you have seen the pictures of the sanctuary, right? God is good. And as, and if there's one thing that I've learned during this construction mode or this building season, what I have learned is that if there's any deviation from the original plan, it can be extremely costly. It's true. Some of you builders out there, you know, uh huh. Um, Therefore, we are in a constant state of of observation guarding the pattern of the building. We are not only in a physical building season for the sanctuary, but we are in a season of building our families and our home. And very similar to the construction site outdoors, we have already have the plan before us. We have the pattern of how our homes should be constructed And it would be very costly for each of us if there was a change order. It's our duty to follow the plan as the leaders of our home. It's our duty to guard this plan. So what are we building? We are building godly homes, a place of contentment, a peaceful dwelling, joyful interaction, respect and love for one another. How about God-fearing children? How about devoted spouses? I'll take one of each. (laughs) This is my desire, and I can't help but think this is God's desire for us as well. 1 Samuel 25 says, Peace, peace be to you. Peace be to your house. Peace be to all that you have. The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purpose of his heart through all generations. It's God's desire that we build healthy homes 
that last for generations to come. It's God's desire that we build a house that he can be glorified in. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Isaiah 32, 17 and 18 says, The work, the action of doing, of righteousness will be peace. And the effect, the result of righteousness, is quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, And a quiet resting place. How about that home? Right? A secure dwelling. I'll take that. A quiet resting place. This is what the Lord has for us if we follow his plan. That's what we're building. That's what God has for us. I want it. Do you want it? Look at your neighbor and tell him I want that too. Yes. It's going to take work. If this is what we want, it's going to take work. And in order for us to build this beautiful edifice of this godly home, we need solid structures. These structures are going to be the disciplines of our life. Of course, we know the foundation has already been established. It's been laid. It's solid. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He and his commandments are the foundation. First Corinthians tells us, For no one could lay a foundation other than that which has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're going to build on him, his commandments as the foundation. Yet the structure, the walls are what we're going to establish tonight. That's the disciplines. I did look the word up, um, walls. I wanted to see how walls were, was the word walls was used in the Bible. Um, and this in the Bible, the walls are seen as structures that protect, providing security, and represent a place of shelter, forming a sense of security. The scripture says, like a city that is broken down and without walls, without disciplines, I added that part, is a man who has no self-control over his spirit and sets himself up for trouble. No self-discipline in an individual, no discipline in a home, is very troublesome. Scripture also said, what you've heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit within you. I knew what I was going to be teaching on tonight. I knew that it was disciplines in the home and I had an outline and then, and I knew, and then I would go back to the word and I'd say, okay, Lord, I've got the outline. Now tell me, fill the scriptures in, fill, help me to fill in what I need, uh, to embellish or to tell the story. And brother Walter spoke and said, so many times we come to the Lord with a, with an outline, basically with pen and paper of what we want. And we say, he read my mind. He said, fill in the scriptures or fill in the word instead of coming to him with a blank sheet. So I went back home and I said, okay, Lord, I've got an outline, but I'll scratch that if you'll tell me what you want me to speak. And I knew it had to be on disciplines. And the Lord gave me the word guard. He said, guard. And so I wrote it out on a board that was near me, not knowing what, but this is the scripture that he gave me. I'm going to read it again. Second Timothy 1.13, that's okay. What you've heard from me, Keep as the pattern of sound doctrine with faith and love in Christ. 
Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit within you. We are commissioned to guard the pattern, the design that God has already given us. We cannot afford a change order. As leaders of our home, it's our duty, our responsibility to guard the pattern. All throughout God's word, we find principles like this that help us guide and instruct and direct us as we build our home. The home is God's. He's the designer. He alone is the master architect. So I want you to visualize with me one more time. The family. The home. What home does God desire for you? Can you visualize it? Can you see your family? Can you see your home? How about your children? How about your marriage? Is it peaceful? Hardworking? Order? Godly? Once again, a home with assurance? Joy? How about a house of submission? The work of righteousness shall be peace, quietness, and assurance forever. The scripture says, I have no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in truth. Paul says to Timothy, for the spirit that God has given you does not make you timid, but gives you power, love, and self-discipline. And the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. These scriptures let me know that we can have the home we desire, but if we want it, it's going to take work. It's going to take discipline. Who's afraid of hard work? Not me. Especially knowing that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not made us timid, but he's given us power. So building a home of discipline is hard work and it's going to take time. One good action upon another One daily discipline upon another. A God-centered home with sound doctrine, kindness, order, fun, hard work, and family. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained in it. How can a man keep his way pure? How could one keep his home pure? By guarding it according to your word, not wandering far from the commandments of God. So let's talk about these disciplines. Let's talk about disciplines in the home. I will start with spiritual disciplines. How about that? I'd like to share four aspects about spiritual disciplines. These are not necessarily spiritual disciplines. These are four aspects of spiritual disciplines. A discipline is a controlled action. Spiritual disciplines are personal. This is number one, are personal and corporate. Personal. A spiritual discipline is something we can practice alone. Our personal prayer time, our personal daily Bible reading, our personal worship, fasting. And then it also could be corporate, a discipline that we practice as a whole. In this case, We're talking about the home, so a discipline that you could practice in your family. It could be corporate family prayer, Bible reading. So when it comes to our home, adults, leaders of the family, we must have personal spirituals, spiritual disciplines, and we must teach our children to have personal spiritual disciplines. This is vital for establishing godly homes. 
daily personal Bible reading, memorization, personal prayer time, and hold each other accountable for these personal disciplines. Paul challenges the people of Philippi. He says, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I love what Brother Walter shared on Sunday. He told us that there will be no corporate salvation. I don't know that I ever heard it like that before. There'll be no corporate salvation. If we are going to be saved, it's going to be because of our personal relationship. It's going to be up to us. And this is a heavy one. If our children are going to be saved or those that we care about are going to be saved, it is up to them, but it would be a shame that we would never tell them and teach them how. So it's very important that we help our children those that we're in, that we provide care for to train them on daily personal spiritual disciplines. The weight is upon us as leaders of our home to cultivate these personal disciplines. And then we must have spiritual disciplines where we engage in as a family, Bible reading, study time, uh, family trivia, prayer, spiritual conversations. That's a big one. Um, no doubt I'm pastor has told so many stories from this pulpit, but one story I will tell, um, about the, something that he is always adamant about with our family is he's always teaching. You know, the scripture says, teach them, teach diligently to your children. Talk of the scriptures. When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, when you rise, bind them on your hand, put them on the frontlets of your, your forehead, write them on the doorpost. He really takes this to heart. We are, we'll be at a theme park and in line at the theme park. And he is uh, quizzing the kids, Bible mountains. Tell me the importance. Tell me the significance of this Bible mountain. Um, one God scripture. How many, how many can you quote right now? Quote them right now. Uh, groups of Samaritans. Okay. The groups. Tell me who, what group of family was talking about in the book of Acts? Acts chapter four, Acts chapter six, eight. Tell me now. He is constantly quoting the children and I <laughs> and me. Uh, but it's our responsibility. Don't neglect, neglect the quickly passing moments that we have in our home with our children. The scripture commands us. Spiritual disciplines, they can be personal or corporate. The second specific of a, or the aspect of a spiritual discipline, our spiritual disciplines are practices. They are things that we do. They're not character qualities. They're things that you do. They're they're um, practices, actions. You read your Bible. That is something that you do. You meditate on the scripture. You learn. You pray fast. You worship. You serve. These are spiritual disciplines. And the goal of practicing any discipline, this is, you have to listen to this carefully, please. The goal of practicing any discipline is not so much about the doing. It's about becoming and being. First Timothy four, seven says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. But we have to be careful. There's a fine line there. Um, we are not godly because we practice spiritual disciplines. That was the great error of the Pharisees, right? By doing such disciplines, they thought that made them godly. So there's a fine line. No, spiritual disciplines are means to godliness. The scripture says, discipline yourself for the purpose, 
for the existence of godliness. There's definitely a distinction between doing and being. And we must never put doing above being. So I say that when we're teaching these spiritual disciplines in our home, um, while we're practicing and teaching our children uh, to read the word, praying and serving, we must not neglect to teach the principle of being changed by these disciplines. Our children may not always understand what they're reading, but that doesn't mean that they stop reading the scripture, right? You can do the practice without a whole heart. Just keep doing it until it comes, until the the love comes or the understanding comes. We don't negate Bible reading just because we don't understand. You keep reading until your heart is changed. This is what we have to teach in the home. We must continue to do the disciplines until they become who we are. So the third aspect of spiritual disciplines are spiritual disciplines are biblical practices. Now you would think that's just normal, right? You would think that we would all have that understanding that a spiritual discipline is a biblical practice. I don't think I want to take anything for granted right now in this life that we live. Um, We don't have room and we don't want to leave room for ourselves or others in our home to create their own spiritual disciplines. You hear this all the time. I do. People say, gardening or exercise, that's my spiritual discipline. Or whatever their hobby would they would call, they call that their spiritual discipline. Spiritual disciplines, true spiritual disciplines, are biblical practices derived from the word. Um, here's the danger of accepting that just anything can be a spiritual discipline. It, it usually ends up like this. Bible reading and church going, you know, that works for you. But a quiet, peaceful day outdoors does just as much for my soul as Bible does. Bible reading does for yours. Do you see how quickly someone can change that on you? We must rely upon practices taught in the Bible and not personal belief when we start naming spiritual disciplines. And this is why Isaiah 31 verse 2 says, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. They cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. They walk into Egypt, and they've never asked at my mouth. Whew. Let it not be said of us. Let us follow the, the biblical, spiritual principles that God sets before us. In Saul's last days, he consulted a medium, a spiritualist, for guidance. We hear this all the time now. The scripture says he did not even inquire of the Lord, so the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to another. Psalm, the psalmist wrote, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eyes upon you. This is what the Lord told the psalmist David. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. If we're not aware, we can easily be swept away with the culture of this world. If we're not intentional about 
practicing spiritual disciplines, biblical practices. If your children start talking about something, I, I will tell you, sometimes I'm unaware of these things. Someone had mentioned some kind of stones that now that they're bringing into their home, these stones and what these stones are supposed to do. And I actually thought at the time, well, that's, that's creative and that's cute. And what a lovely home decor. Oh no, be careful. I have a feeling these might be some spirit, spiritual disciplines that are not biblical. Um, and we have to be careful. I recently attended a school conference in Florida and one of the breakout sessions was about current cultural developments. Talk about an eye opener. I came home and asked my children of some of the things that were mentioned. I'd never even heard of these things. And the children that were raised in my home, home educated from my kitchen table, the ones that I knew they're coming and going. I know where they're at. They knew about every one of these cultural developments that I told, that I shared with them. And in some cases, they knew specific incidents of actual happenings. It's too much to get into, but I just want us to be aware. We must guard spiritual disciplines in our home. Um, yes, thank you. Number, f- number four, spiritual disciplines should bring us closer to God, to the body, and to the church. I've been with individuals who have discovered a new spiritual discipline and all of a sudden they no longer need the church. They don't need the body because they're being fed their spiritual discipline. It takes our spiritual discipline should take us deeper into our relationship with God, the church and the body and not separate us. First Timothy four says, now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It's pretty blunt, isn't it? But I'm afraid that's where we're at. Sometimes we're giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I would say if you find yourself being pulled away from God and the things of God, you might be lending an ear to seducing spirits or doctrines of devils instead of a spiritual discipline, a true spiritual discipline. We must be careful, leaders of the home, what you think you can handle, your children will choke on. We think, I can handle it, I like it, but it's leading our children far from God. We are talking about building disciplines in the home. These are four aspects of spiritual disciplines. How about some practical disciplines? I've got lots of practical disciplines. I'm a practical person. Um, these are everyday controlled behaviors. Second Timothy one seven says the spirit of God. This is a different translation for the spirit. God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So if you are spirit filled, you are not allowed to use the excuse. I just can't, I can't stop whatever the behavior is. I'm just not, I don't know if I can do this. I just don't have it within me. I'm going to tell you now, you are not a weakling. God has given each of us his spirit and he is, this is not a weak spirit. It's a powerful spirit and it allows us to have self 
discipline. I say this all the time to my children. You are in control. You have self-control. You are in control of your own body. And you can do this or you can refrain. And I speak this to probably your children too when they're here or when they're at my house. If you're struggling with disciplining yourself in any way, I want you to just simply ask God to help you. I was recently in the ladies' prayer meeting, and one of the ladies, my dear friend, just raised her hand as her prayer request and said, I need help. I need help with time management. I felt like that was a very spiritual request, and I do believe that God will honor that. That's a practical discipline. Practical disciplines lead to spiritual moments. God is a God of order. When our homes are in order, we tend to be more settled, less anxious, and more willing to take time for God. So I'm going to give you some very practical, I believe I have four, practical disciplines that we can practice within the home. Number one is just simply assign. A-S-S-I-G-N, assign. The first way to build a home with practical disciplines is to assign. What does that mean? Assign everything you have a place. Establish a location for your things. Your keys, the dog leash, the mail, electronic cords. Give everything a place. Label these designated areas. The dresser drawers. When the children were little, I used to have, um, I would label the drawers. Sock drawer, gym pants, t-shirts. And not too long ago, I took that label. Nico finally said, Mom, I can take the labels off. And I put them inside the drawer because I wanted him to know. I didn't want him to be embarrassed. But I wanted him to know this is where your shirts go. And that's what I expect for them to go in. Um, but it works. Uh, garage containers. Label everything. Uh, I have a basket that has, it's just pictures. It says pictures. And when I receive um graduation cards, Christmas cards. I receive them in the mail. I love them. I keep them in my windowsill for a while, but then they go into that basket. And ever so often I'll take that basket and I will put them wherever I decide the um, containers that I have for pictures for the church. But instead of putting them away right right away or storing them, I I just put them right in my basket because sometimes I pull the basket out and we just go through the current pictures. Um, I have the same thing for games and playing cards. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just label it. Everything has a place. Because what I have found, if things have a place, it usually makes it back to its place. But if it doesn't have a place, it's piled up on the counter, creating disarray in the home. Everything having its place, this is a key. Everything having a place is a time saver. It's a time and a money saver. How many times have you purchased items that we later found that we already had. You just couldn't find them. So you go out and you spend more money because you couldn't find them. Um, I get teased quite often about um, recycling or reusing gift bags, uh, something my mother did. <laughs> um, but it's not always because I don't want to spend the dollar. I'm not that, it's not that I'm always trying to be frugal, although I am. I need time savers. Back home to get to Walmart was 25. When I was younger, to get to Walmart was 25 minutes. We lived out in the country. So my mom always kept gift bags and she would fold them and store them in a nice place. And, and I've been guilty. I have 
watched her and I've done the same thing. I've ironed those tissue papers <laughs> to reuse them. But I, mostly it's a time saver. Um, I do not enjoy going to Meyer. I do not enjoy going to Walmart. Uh, so when I receive a gift, I will fold the tissue bag paper and put it within the bag and I store it. I have a container downstairs that's just gift bags. When it's time for a birthday or a, I need a quick gift, I just go to that container. I've saved time and I've saved money. So, uh, and the practical discipline of assigning everything a place, um, leads to spiritual moments. I believe that extra dollar that I save, possibly I can give to the church. I would love that. Um, I hope that it adds up and I'm sure that it does, but these moments do lead practical uh, ways. They do lead to spiritual moments. If you learn to assign everything a place, then you will know when something's missing, right? Sundays should always remain in its place. How about Wednesday Bible study time? Let's give it a place. This is a practical discipline. You assign everything a place and continue It'll help you to continue to keep order. So number two, the second practical um, discipline that I'd like to share with you is to simplify. I was so happy to hear the conversation um, on Sunday about the consumer mentality. We are drowning in stuff, trinkets, clothes, decor, appliances. We feel the need and desire to consume and it's overwhelming our homes. It's overwhelming our minds. And many times we don't even realize the emotional burden that stuff has become in our lives. It's a consumer mentality and I'm going to tell you it's contrary to the word of God. It is contrary to the spirit of Christ. Um, brother Walter said that it was a self-centered action. And I believe that, and it's affecting our homes. It's infiltrating the church. Our lives become consumed with the desire to possess and acquire more things, more information, thinking the more that we can consume, the happier we will be just because it makes you feel good does not mean that you need it. And I'm speaking to myself. Have you ever heard this saying before? Sin is pleasurable, right? So just because it makes you feel good does not mean that we need it. Sadly, the self-indulgence has become elevated above moral wisdom and godliness. Christ challenges this concept. He says, Real life is about denying oneself, dying to self on a daily basis. Pastor Shock says that we should teach ourselves to say no every day. How about that? Say no to yourself every day, he says. Actually, I think he said twice a day. I'm just working on once. <laughs> just say no. It can be as simple as, no, I feel like I want to go here. No, not today. I want to stay in bed longer. Nope, not today or whatever it is. Um, one of my favorite quotes. I don't know if we can get that up on the screen, but I like this one. Um, owning less is great, but wanting less is even greater. 
How about that? Let that sink in. Owning less is great. It's simple. But when you want, when you desire less, that's even greater. I do like to, I like to shop. I like to browse. I like to look. Um, that's just something my daughter and I really enjoy doing together, going out together to shop. Um, but I will tell you, I can come home many times with nothing and feel just as happy about going. And I can come home with bags and I feel happy too, but <laughs> it's not the point tonight. <laughs> um, no, the truth is it is nice when you have no desire for extra stuff. That is a really good feeling. What would our homes look like if we became a little more content with what we have? What kind of example would we be to our children if we just became content with what we have and not um, allow that consumer mentality to take a hold of us? So sometimes, and I think I'll say this again later, but what we can handle you know, we, we have the extra dollars, so we know we can just go out and buy it. And actually, we might have even, even been thinking about that item for quite some time. But maybe our children don't know, and maybe they think that we're acting on impulse and just buying something. What kind of example are we? I really want us to start thinking of that. We're talking about healthy homes here. We're talking about growing a church body, but we can't be grow this large church body and be of need of help to those that are in need if we are weak within individually in our families and in our homes. So we're talking about developing healthy homes and these basic practical, um, disciplines are going to help us to have these healthy homes. The scripture says we should have the wisdom to show restraint. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You've heard that one before, right? So let's talk about the word simplify. Simplify and purge your closets. (laughs) That's the first request I'm going to make of you. To simplify and purge your closets. Too many clothes. I tell my kids this all the time. I've done so much laundry. You've been working all day on laundry. This is ridiculous to have this many clothes. Now purge your closets. And we do. We actually do. I want to say thank you to Brother Chance. I'm all about repurposing. So I love what he's doing uh, with a closed closet. So if you have not had a chance to purge your closet, please do. And you can give it to Brother Chance. And he will give it to those that are truly in need. And um, I'll share something. I say I'm going to share it privately. I'm sure this is going out somewhere. But um, there was a family in need. We had a family in need. Um, they were part of our journey ministry, the the young children and their young mother with four children, littles. And I mean, they were just swimming in stuff. Whenever we'd go pick up the children, uh, for church, we'd have to help them find their shoes cause they could never find anything. So I thought I'm going to help this young, young couple. And I said, honey, let me help you do your laundry. So for quite a while, I think it was most of the summer I'd stop by and I'd pick up their laundry. There were four littles, a mom and a dad, and the littles were really close in age. And when I say laundry, I'm talking bags. They had like five and six big black trash bags waiting for me to do their laundry. And that could be one week, two weeks of clothes. And I'm doing their laundry. And I really believe it was the Lord that impressed me on this. This is too much. This is ridiculous. I I bought containers for the littles and I labeled them and I'd bring them back. And finally, I told the young mother, I said, this is overwhelming. This is too many clothes. I said, you are just constantly doing laundry or you're piling up these clothes, wearing all these clothes. 
And it's overwhelming. She said, I never can get ahead. I feel like I just live, I'm drowning in dirty clothes, clothes for these children. And so I taught this principle to her about simplifying these clothes. You don't need all that. These kids can wear, and I know it's easy for me to say this now. My kids are older and, you know, all the cute clothes. But what she told me was we had a house fire. And because we have less than most people, the first thing people think is that we need clothes. And so they start bringing them, constantly bringing clothes to them. It's overwhelming. And I told her, I talked, I walked her through this. She said, I'd never seen it. I said, well, I'd never really thought of this either. But I, I was trying to think of how can I help you? And I, I shared this and she was able to apply that um, principle. She was able to apply that uh, very practical discipline in her life. Um, something that I do quite frequently is I take a laundry basket. I call it, this is a day of purge. I'll just go through the house, open drawers. If it's something I don't wear, something I don't, I haven't used in a while. I tell the children the same thing. If it's something you don't feel good in, you don't like, let's just put it in this basket and we'll take it downstairs. I don't purge it. I don't throw it away just yet. I'll take it and I'll store it in the laundry room. And then I'll wait. If I haven't looked for it, if I really don't need it, then I get rid of it. But I'm going to share something with you. Um, do your friend a favor and don't share your stuff with your friend. Get rid of it. Give it to someone else. <laughs> because once again, too much stuff. We have it. How about appliances? Do you really need every appliance that you have in your house? Is there not one that has a dual purpose? Uh, we recently took a countertop, a counter, sorry, a counter out of our um, kitchen uh, cabinets, took a cabinet out, I'm sorry, of the countertop there and replaced it with a refrigerator. So I lost a cabinet and a drawer. So as I'm going through this, I thought, you know, do I really need four spatulas? Do I need three sets of measuring cups? I purged everything and now I have one utensil drawer and I feel liberated. Do, did I really need three drawers for dishcloths? No. Um, a wise woman once said, get the sofa off your porch. <laughs> I think you know who that was. <laughs> a cluttered home is a cluttered mind, she said. Call for a dumpster. Get rid of those broken items in your home that have been draining you. And that's exactly what they do. When you keep walking by that broken chair, get rid of it or repair it because it's draining. It's mentally draining us. It doesn't matter how much it cost back in the day. It'd be worth the relief of letting it go. When we don't have to make so many choices, it frees our mind to think on good things. Do we have enough quiet space? In our mind, or are we cluttered with stuff? Do we have time to think about what is true, honest, just, lovely, and a good rapport? I often tell my children how blessed they are um, because of their dad's daily disciplines. He has a clean garage. He labels his containers. Uh, he's provided a nice place for a lawnmower and a leaf blower. You see, my kids... They think they have a lawn mowing business from their own good works. And I remind them, no, it's because your dad has disciplined himself, kept the garage clean, maintained the lawn mower that allowed them to borrow the lawn mower and start their own business. And of course, now they have their own and they have to learn to maintain, but they've had a good example. But it's a simple and practical discipline that affects our children. 
It could be the launching pad for your children, or it could be the decline. If we teach our children these disciplines, if we don't teach our children these disciplines, they're going to be sloppy adults because these children are going to grow up to teenagers and then young adults. I'm always asking my kids, is this how you're going to keep your house? Is this how you're going to care for your car? I'm happy to report that Alexandra will have a house in order. (laughs) And maybe one other child will have an orderly home. I do admit I have an advantage when it comes to house chores and uh, help around the house. I have four kids, and that means there's eight uh, sets of hands. There's eight hands, and many times they have friends. So that we just get to multiply. I'm definitely all about child labor. That's right. And I'm all about teaching our children to work hard. I'm all about it. That if I, I could have put that as a, prince, as a um, discipline in itself. So number three, routines and habits. Routines help to create order. Routines help create consistency. Routines can be mundane, especially for my personality. However, there is a sense of security that comes with the routine and the predictable life. This creates that home of assurance that we talked about earlier. The work of righteousness shall be peace, quietness, and assurance forever. In the office, we call them repeatable processes. Those of you in in business, you understand these things. These are things that we do daily or on a weekly basis that are just established. This is just what we do. We don't have to think about them. They are just constant and repeatable. We're talking about routines and habits. This is a discipline. Having routines and habits. Um, We don't have to think about them. That's just constant. It's repeatable. You can easily establish these in your home. Maybe it's a family calendar. We're always readjusting our calendar. We have a family calendar. Uh, Maybe it's family meetings. Maybe it's Saturday evening routines. Whatever your discipline is or routine, just let it be. This is what my kids know what our Saturday evenings look like. They know not even to ask uh, for something or a big to-do, usually on Saturdays, because our Saturday evenings, this is just what it looks like. They know. Um, how about a Sunday morning routine? Maybe it's when, when my kids were uh, little, Saturday evening was the day we laid out all their clothes. (laughs) Becky, I'm sure you do this now. Saturday, we lay out clothes, and they couldn't change their clothes on Sunday morning. They had to wear whatever they selected on Saturday night because that was just too much to go through. Those are routines. It's just what we do. And once you establish those routines, it gets easier, and life gets easier. It's just uh, repeatable processes. You may establish a set dinner time, a Sunday family lunch time. I love Sister Debbie Johnston. They just know, the kids know, it's Sunday lunch at, at grandma's house, nana's house. It's Sunday lunch. Um, you may establish a set dinner time, uh, whatever it is. My favorite is a family nap time. I like to call family nap time, and that means let's all come to the living room and let mama take a nap, but you all sit here with me. You just keep talking and let me close my eyes. Uh, I call it family nap. Okay, so habits. Peter said, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. He warns us of soul pleasures, habits. We must be aware and establish a spiritual and practical discipline that governs governs the desires of our body. I've got 10 minutes and I'm going to go. Um, 
We need to consider our choices today and how they will affect our children. The coffee shop, I'm not speaking of any particular coffee shop, but I just want us to be careful what habits and routines we start in our home. Uh, treats are fun and special. I don't want to, to neglect those special moments. Um, but if we are exampling expensive habits, habit-forming routines in front of our children, just know that these are being passed down and just consider what kind of habit um, that what that what that might look like. We might be at a place, like I said earlier, in life that we can afford that $8 coffee. But is that the habit we want to share with our children? I'm noticing this now. I'm noticing it in my home. They think it's hardly, it's nothing to drop $7 for a coffee, $12 for a fancy tea. Oh, I, I sound, I sound so old right now. I remember going through the coffee shop drive with my mother and she refused to let me buy her a $2.50 coffee. She said, we'll just make a pot of coffee when we get home. And now I've turned into my mother. Brother Scott taught us this. He said last week, he said, habits compounded over time result in exponential growth or decline. So the fourth practical discipline that I want to share with you is called atmosphere. These are practical disciplines. Nothing destroys a home like the wrong atmosphere, tension, lack of joy, stress, Creating that inviting atmosphere, one that your children and your spouse will want to come home to, is important. I encourage you. This is basic. I've told you these are practical disciplines, all right? Uh, creating an atmosphere. How practical can you get? A, turn the lights on. Open the blinds. You're creating an atmosphere, right? Put on some praise and worship music. Pray in your home. Speak pleasantries. Good morning. Converse. Have conversation. Acknowledge one another. We're talking about building homes. We're talking about building healthy homes. Uh, create the atmosphere for the season of your life. Uh, you may have littles in your home. Create the atmosphere that's conducive and inviting for littles. You may have teenagers. Create conversation opportunities. I refuse to accept that my teenager just does not want to talk. Uh, we're the adults. Let's cultivate, learn to cultivate that conversation in them. Create an atmosphere where they want to talk. Um, I refuse to hear too that they just want to stay in their room all day. Well, let's create an atmosphere where they want to come home, where they want to come out. Uh, something that we do at home is whenever I decide, I, okay, it's time. Everybody get home. I'll just snap a picture of dinner, maybe something, whatever I've made, put it on our family chat. And I love to hear them, you know, comment, I'm coming, I'm coming, or whatever the comments, however they begin. Um, but that'll get them home. Prepare a nice meal. Create the atmosphere. Um, maybe it's just a couple. Make your home inviting for your spouse to want to come home. Uh, for her or for him. Maybe it's just you. My grandmother used to say there's no better person to cook for than myself. So she would prepare herself a large meal. And uh, we are talking about disciplines in the home. Uh, they're going to be passed down, good or bad. You are creating them. 
We're creating disciplines, whether they're good or they're bad. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. What you do now is going to affect your children and everyone in the home. So build into your home and build into your children a life of order, a freedom from consumer mentality. I'm just reiterating. Build into your children a passion for healthy routines. Build into your children a fervency for self-denial. How about that? Can we teach our children to say no? I think it's important. Build into your children, build into your home a desire to create a godly atmosphere. So, let building your home consume you. How about What would our homes look like? What would our families look like if building a home on spiritual uh, disciplines and on practical disciplines, what would our homes look like if that became our mission? If that became our ministry, creating godly disciplines in our home, build from the plan that God has already given us. And then my next uh, challenge is build from this plan, but then I'm going to ask, Guard it, guard the pattern and allow no deviation from this pattern. Brother Tim, would you please come and close us out with prayer? Thank you for hearing me tonight about practical disciplines in the home. Thank you.